Welcome back to part three of our interview with Donna Esposito, researcher and author. In this podcast, we'll go on an amazing adventure as she dives into finding a World War II missing in action soldier. You emailed me one more story. Do you want to tell that with us as well? Yes, I'd love to share this story because um, this is kind of a story of life imitating art. Um, so, you know, I wrote my my book and my fictional heroine goes on this fictional quest and finds out that it's her kind of destiny to return this, uh, this World War II memento to its rightful owner. Well, that was that was all in my mind and I could never have made up what happened next. So I finally, in 2017, was able to make the trip of a lifetime that I literally dreamed about going to do this since I was, you know, about nine or 10 years old. And I have always wanted to go to Guadalcanal in the Solomon Islands. I can't exactly say why I became so fixated on that battle and that island, but a lot of it has to do with seeing South Pacific and then reading Tales of the South Pacific by James Michener. And I just felt I had to go. And so uh, I finally took a trip that I've been wanting to do for many, many years, um, a cruise through the Solomon Islands that go on the slot. And this I'll say, if, and I hope it's okay if I say it was by Valor Tours, which um, is one of the few groups that does tours of the Solomon Islands. And I do recommend checking them out. So I thought I would make my trip and it would kind of be, you know, I'd get it out of my system. And it was an amazing trip, visited about 15 different islands or so, but spent most of the time on Guadalcanal and really, you know, amazing to see in firsthand where all of the battles happen, see Henderson Field, just see all these places that I'd read about for so many years. The people there were wonderfully welcoming especially love Americans to come. There's many, many relics uh, left from World War II on the island. So they're very happy to have Americans and Japanese come to see um, where all that history took place. So I had visited one village near uh, the battlefield, the Mount Austin battlefield, where there's a display of, of war relics and our tour had gone there. And a man from that village came to see me at the hotel um, that we were staying at. It was the night before we were leaving. And he came down to the hotel, showed me something that uh, was just unbelievable. He said a friend of his in the village, it turned out to be his friend's son, um, had found a set of American dog tags as well as remains. And they knew I was um, a researcher. He asked if if I could help them locate the family and send the remains home. And they had made a rubbing, a pencil rubbing of the dog tags for me. So I was absolutely stunned. Took the rubbing, the, the man who brought it, his name was Samson. And um, the name of the soldier was Dale W. Ross. And I looked him up really quickly because there was some internet in the hotel. And, and sure enough, he had been missing in action and he was still missing in action on Guadalcanal. So I was, um, I was just, you know, I couldn't believe this, <laughs> was not, not expecting this. Um, so, you know, I was leaving the next day. Well, I went home, did some research and uh, very quickly found um 
private uh, first class Dale Ross's family, Army dog tags at that point had next of kin um, printed on them and an address. And so see his mother's address in Ashland, Oregon. Well, lo and behold, there was a Dale Ross living now in Ashland, Oregon, who was his nephew named in his honor. So I was able to contact him. He was a little bit um, skeptical to have a stranger call him out of the blue saying, you know, I found, you know, somebody on, on Guadalcanal found your, your uncle's uh, dog tags and his remains. So um, <laughs> I think, I think uh, younger Dale Ross didn't, didn't, you know, didn't quite know what to make of that, but they had an open case with the def uh, Defense POW MIA Accounting Agency, which is the Department of Defense agency that looks for MIAs. So he reported that to his casualty affairs officer. And in the meantime, I contacted an organization called Pacific Rex that looks for missing in action servicemen and, and documents wreckages um, in, in the South Pacific. And so the, um, the head of that group, a um, man named Justin Talon, said, well, you know, the 75th anniversary of Guadalcanal is, is, this was in June, and he said the 75th anniversary is in August, and that he was planning on going there anyway for this, the commemoration. He said, well, why don't you come back with me, and we can collect the remains and have them sent home. And I thought, well, that's crazy. I just came back from Guadalcanal. Who goes there twice? Uh, then I thought, no, no, I'm going to go. Well, and by some miracle, um, Dale Ross, the nephew, decided that he believed this was all real now. And he called me up and said he wanted to come too. And his cousin, um, a woman named uh, Peggy Ross Freitas, who was the niece of one of um, PFC Dale Ross's other brothers um, came to and the four of us went to Guadalcanal and went back to the village and the, um, the, the people there. So it turned out that the dog tags were actually found by an eight-year-old little boy named, named um, Willie Bessie. He was going to play um, and saw, saw the, you know, shining in the, in the dirt and, you know, went to get his dad um, and and they collected the remains. And so they gave them to Dale's family and they were, we were able then to turn them over to the DPAA and have them flown home right then. Those remains uh, were tested, were verified using DNA testing and um, PFC Dale Ross was finally laid to rest at home in Ashland, Oregon in, in 2019. Um, so it's, it's an unbelievable story that's, I couldn't make something like that up. Um, and, and just, um, you know, a really poignant story. Uh, Dale was one of four brothers, all four of them served, two of them in the army and two of them in the Navy. They all ended up in the Pacific theater. Thankfully three came home, but, um, it was a huge, huge loss for the family to lose Dale. He was just known as being a really sweet and wonderful person. And um, even you know, to this day, there aren't too many people left who are alive then that remember him. 
But at his at his funeral, then um, there there were a few people. Even his girlfriend's little sister was there, and and he had he had taught her how to ride a horse. And it was uh, it, it, I just you know got a sense of what a wonderful person he was. And I certainly gotten that sense from knowing his family, his brother's children. Yes, the, to tell you a little bit more about about Dale, um, he was in the 35th Infantry regiment of the 25th division. They were relieving the Marines on Guadalcanal and he got there in January of 1943. And it was January 14th. He was on a small patrol um, and they encountered a small patrol of Japanese and shots were fired. They were in a region with really tall Kunai grass and they couldn't find him. And so, you know, his, his squad mates, they came back to look for him. But, but no luck. Um, and in fact, his his brother um, was serving in the Navy. His, his brother, Charles, was serving in the Navy and happened to be stationed at the very same time at the torpedo um, the PT boat base across Iron Bottom Sound at Tulagi. And he got word about his brother being missing and he was able to take a launch across there to Guadalcanal and he himself went to look for his brother and um, wasn't able to find him. And the army did go back after the war to look for Dale and other MIAs. There's still, unfortunately, lots of other men missing on Guadalcanal to this day. And just the way that the, the foliage is and the terrain, it's, it's very difficult to, to find them. And, you know, there was no luck until just about 75 years later. And, um, I know, a chance encounter and a little boy, Willie, with some, some very good eyesight um, happened to spot those, those dog tags. It's just, you know, it's a, a really, a really poignant story and just to know especially for his family you know they this his his nephews nieces they they never met him but he was obviously such a part of their life growing up and so it's just it's been really wonderful to know them and and really really wonderful to be able to give some closure to the family so wow uh, yes what so. an incredible journey <laughs> wow you know, if I wasn't interested in, you know, solving World War II mysteries before, that was sure enough to do it for me now. And so um, now I think the mysteries kind of find me and I never, never know what's going to happen. But um, I've, you know, been fortunate enough to have kind of uncovered or had other, other um, stories kind of come to me. Um, and now, in addition to my own writing, I also work with um, a wonderful museum that's in the island nation of Vanuatu, which was called the New Hebrides during World War II. And it's the South Pacific World War II Museum. They're really building a world-class museum there to honor the, um, the veterans of World War II. And so I'm really very honored to be um, part of their team and kind of known as their dog tag detective. So when dog tags turn up on the island, um, I'm lucky enough to be the person that they let know. Um, there was there were huge bases there, so it was always a rear area. So generally, um, these are people that just dropped their tags, thankfully, and didn't meet with, um, you know, a tragic end. 
but there's certainly been some surprising stories uncovered there as well. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's wonderful to learn these stories and especially wonderful then to be able to have a, a venue like the Stories Behind the Stars project and Fold 3 to be able to share that with a wider audience because they all, they all definitely deserve to have their stories told. And I think for me, that's, that's really what it's, what it's turned into. I have this idea that, um, you know, that, that people want their stories told and they're, they're finding me and other story writers to, to tell it. Um, and uh, it's really an honor just to learn their stories because every single person who served and especially the ones who didn't come home have a, have an amazing story with lessons that are so valuable for us today and truly inspiring. And just like you said, you know, getting to know their family and their family having that closure and knowing them, it's just, that's what it really is all about. Right. It's about helping to heal those wounds that happened so long ago. It absolutely is. And, you know, even though the the parents of these young men are gone and a lot of times the siblings are gone, um, they've, they've, they've lived on in their family and that hurt does still live on. And so it's, uh, you know, it's the least I can do to, to try to bring some kind of healing and closure, give, given what all they've sacrificed. So it's, it's really an honor. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to share these amazing stories with us uh, tonight. And um, yeah, hopefully we'll see a book from you in the future. <laughs> well, thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on. And I'm very excited about the project. And I'm excited to see more and more stories uh, getting written every day. So it's, it's wonderful to see how it's blossomed. Thank you for listening to the Stories Behind the Stars podcast. We're so grateful you're here with us today. If you like this content, please consider subscribing. Please consider donating on storiesbehindthestars.org or even better yet, volunteering to help write these stories. We're so grateful for all of our many volunteers who are making this project happen. And if you have a story you think needs to be on this podcast, contact us at contactstoriesbehindthestars.org.